You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. Solomon was doing just that. The first thing he did was he built the house for the Lord. He sought God first. He put God in his proper place. As I said, this was the pinnacle of Solomon's relationship with the Lord. He was walking more closely with the Lord than he ever had and than he ever will. As he sought the Lord in the priority of his life, everything that was added He would be successful as a king. What are the top priorities in your life? Are you prioritizing the things of God? In today's message, Pastor Dave teaches about the time when Solomon was obediently putting God's desires above all. What are some things in your life that you've put above God's calling on your life? Consider putting Him first today. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Kings chapter 7 as he begins his message, The House That Solomon Built. First Kings chapter 7. First Kings chapter 7. First Kings chapter 7, making our way through the book of First Kings. So we've been going through this interesting book of King Solomon, David's son by Bathsheba. King Solomon, and we've moved along here as we've come through this. He has taken the throne. Actually, David anointed him king while David was still alive so that there wouldn't be an overlap or a vacancy of king. And when David died, Solomon became the full king. They were kind of co-kings there for a brief time. And when Solomon became full king, he took care of the family business by getting rid of David's enemies. And we know that the Lord had blessed him because David had rid Israel of all their enemies. And Solomon took care of business and got rid of the rest of David's enemies. So he was basically living in peace and tranquility. Solomon was ruling in a day when there weren't any wars, there weren't any troubles from outside. Most of the trouble that Solomon is going to cause is going to come from him. And we'll talk about that when the time comes. And we've been studying now that Solomon is building mode. He's in building mode and he's focused. I believe that this building mode and this gift came from the Lord when the Lord gave him wisdom. I read it said that Solomon had a spirit of building. He had a spirit of building. And this came from the Holy Spirit and it came from the wisdom that the Lord gave him. Solomon used his gift extremely well, this gift of wisdom. We saw it and we read about it. He was able to govern the people of Israel. He was able to judge them rightly and justly, and he was able to meet all their needs. But he also became, during this time, a master builder. He became a master builder using this wisdom that the Lord had given him in a right way. The Lord had given him plans for the house that he would dwell in, that the Lord would dwell in, the Lord's house. We call it the temple. And Solomon now is building this thing and he's been constructing it. And we read it last week about the construction of the temple. 
Now it has successfully been completed. The temple is built. And now Solomon, in the first part of chapter 7, is going to turn his attention to building his own house. He's going to look within now and building his own house. And what can be said of Solomon at this time? And I know that it's a weird question, and you can probably say a lot of things, but I, I focus on one thing. At this time, during this time of not only Solomon's life, but Solomon's reign, he was at his closest point to the Lord ever. You know what I'm saying? At this time in Solomon's life, he was step by step with the Lord. He was following the Lord exactly. The plans were laid out for the temple. He built them to all the specifications that the Lord lived. And now he was taking time to build his own house. Why? Because Solomon had no better purpose in his heart than to build a house for the Lord. This was given to him and passed down by his father David, who really wanted to build the house. One commentator said this, The surest foundations of lasting prosperity are those which are laid in early piety. When I read that, I shook my head and said, Now what is he talking about? And I had to sit before the Lord and realize what this means. The surest foundations of lasting prosperity are those which are laid in early piety is basically what we have been teaching now for a long, long time. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added. Solomon was doing just that. The first thing he did was he built the house for the Lord. He sought God first. He put God in his proper place. As I said, this was the pinnacle of Solomon's relationship with the Lord. He was walking more closely with the Lord than he ever had and than he ever will. As he sought the Lord in the priority of his life, everything that was added, he would be successful as a king, including his own house. Remember back in chapter 2? When David basically gave instructions to Solomon, I'll read this in verses 2, 3, 4. David speaking to his son Solomon. I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies, as it was written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may fulfill his word, which he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons take heed of their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, he said, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel forever. And this is what was happening. Solomon was walking closely to the Lord. He was following the Lord's command. He had a great relationship finally with the Lord. This is why he had such an urgency to build the house of the Lord. And you're going to find out that it took him 13 years to build his house. But it only took him seven to build the house of the Lord. Now, this is going to be a good and bad thing. We're going to talk about that too. But he had such an urgency to get the house of the Lord done. David had collected all of the material that was needed for the house of the Lord to be built. And Solomon now put it all together in perfect harmony with all the workers. And we read last week how many thousands of workers he had doing all this work. And it was an urgency to get this done. The completion of the temple was his focus. His purpose, because he knew it belonged to God. At this point in Solomon's life, his priorities 
were correct. I have to ask you, is God the priority of your life? Is he the one that you seek continually? Is he the priority of your life? Do you allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart and to bring top those things which are hindering your relationship with God? Allowing God to take them from you, to submitting them to God, asking for forgiveness if there's sin? Do you allow that to happen so that you can get ever closer to God? Are you growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you look back on your life and say, my life is better now than it was before according to the Lord's standards? Are you closer to the Lord now than you've ever been before? It's my prayer that you are. It's my prayer that you're always drawing close to the Lord. Because if you're not going to the Lord, folks, you're going the other way. If you're not seeking the Lord, you're not doing the right thing. You're going the other way. And I don't say that in condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I say that in edification. Seek the Lord while he can be found. Seek him with your whole heart. Make him the priority of your life. Don't let anything else get in there. Or are you building your own house first? Are you tending to your own needs? If you're doing this, I can imagine the frustration you're feeling right now. If you are the priority of your life, you are one frustrated person. And when we become frustrated, we start looking for other things beside God to take care of that frustration. And then we get in big trouble. Then we get in major trouble. Solomon put God first and built him a house. And then he looked and started to construct his own house. And I think we can learn a lot from that. He took care of God first. Are you taking care of God first? Are you taking care of God first? Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. And read what precedes that in chapter 6. Read all that precedes that, chapter 6 of Matthew. So let's look at the first 12 verses in chapter 7. We're going to try to get through the whole chapter, and it's a pretty meaty chapter. So let's look at the first 12 verses. But Solomon took 13 years. It ends in chapter 638. So he was seven years building the temple. In verse 1 of chapter 7, but Solomon took 13 years to build his own house, so he finished all his house. He also built the house of the forest of Lebanon. Its length was 100 cubits. It's with 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits. It with four rows of cedar pillars and the cedar beams on the pillars. It was paneled with cedar above the beams and there were 45 pillars, 15 in a row. There were windows with beveled frames in three rows and the window was opposite window in three tiers. And all the doorway and doorposts had rectangular frames and the window was opposite the window in three tiers. He also made the hall of pillars. Its length was 50 cubits. It's with 30 cubits. In front of them was a portico with pillars and a canopy was in front of them. Then he made a hall for the throne, the hall of judgment, where he might judge. And it was paneled with cedar from the floor to ceiling. And the house where he dwelt had an, another court inside the hall of like workmanship. 
And Solomon also made a house like the hall of Pharaoh's daughter, whom he had taken his wife. All these were of costly stones cut to size, trimmed with saws inside and out from foundation to the eaves and also on the outside to the great court. The foundation was of costly stones, large stones, some 10 cubits and some eight cubits. And above were costly stones hewn to size and cedar wood. The great court was enclosed with three rows of hewn stones and a row of cedar beams. So were the inner court of the house of the Lord and the vestibule of the temple. Solomon's house almost mirrored the temple, but it was so much more opulent, so much more glorious because it was a palace. It was Solomon's palace. It was his place. It took 13 years to construct and the design copied from the plans of the temple. But it seems to be so much more magnificent from the temple. And in the midst of all of this, my question was, was Solomon starting to slip? Was he starting to slide from that great relationship he had when he built the temple? By making his house more opulent than God's. Making his house more glorious than God's. And you can see this kind of, you can kind of pick this up. He started out by purposing his heart to build God a house. He had an urgency to build a house. And he used the best materials. He used the best workers. And he constructed it in seven years. We talked about giving God your best. And he did that. But now he spends 13 years on his own house. Six more years and he spent building the temple of God. Why? Because it was so much more opulent. It was so much more beautiful. I get the feeling that he's starting to slip. I get the feeling that he's starting to think himself even grander than the Lord. I get this feeling that he wants a better house than the Lord. It's interesting, though, because the prophet Haggai, and God used him, and he told Haggai to go to Israel and basically come against them. They had just returned from the captivity, 70 years being in captivity, and they had returned And they were more worried about building their own houses when the temple laid in ruins. And you can find that in Haggai chapter 1. Let me read you a couple verses. Verse 2 of chapter 1, it says, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house shall be built. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and the temple lie in ruins? So the Lord's coming after them for putting their stuff first, putting their houses first. So you see how quickly things have changed in Solomon's life. You can see how quickly he's serving the Lord. He has an urgency to build a temple. And then all of a sudden he stows down and he starts to make this beautiful opulent palace of his own. The people of Israel during Haggai's time were making excuses and they placed the Lord on the back burner. They're forgetting that it was the Lord who not only sent them into captivity, but it was the Lord that brought them out of captivity. They needed to make the Lord the priority of their lives, which they hadn't done. One commentator I read said this, quote, The problem was simply wrongly ordered priorities. They were content to let the cause of the Lord suffer at the expense of their comfort. Instead, they should have felt no rest until the work of the Lord was as prosperous as their personal lives and have been willing to sacrifice for the work of God as they were for their own personal luxury and comfort. Take that back to your own lives. Is your service to God suffering 
because it might hinder in your comfort. It might cut into some of your time. Is your work hindering your service to the Lord? That's what's being said here. It is so important to put God first in our lives. I can't tell you enough about that. How important it is for us to delight in him. Scripture is full of verses that say if we delight ourselves in him, Psalm 37, he will give us the desires of our heart. If we would delight ourselves in him. Scripture tells us that if we diligently seek him, he rewards us for diligently seeking him. That's what Israel wasn't doing. And I don't see Solomon doing this. I see Solomon kind of sliding, kind of slipping, kind of sliding and slipping down. This is going to haunt him. This is going to come back to get him because as we get to chapter 11, which is only four more chapters from now, we're going to come to chapter 11 and Solomon is going to turn his back on the Lord. Solomon is going to turn his back on the Lord and the big downward slide is going to happen. So I see the beginning of it here. Let's look at 13 and 14. Now King Solomon sent and brought Humram from Tyre. And he was the son of a widow from the tribe of Naphtali, and his father was of Tyre, a bronze worker who was filled with wisdom and understanding and the skill in working with all kinds of bronze work. So he came to the king Solomon and did all his work. So Solomon employs another man from Tyre. Now, in Second Chronicles, the man's name is Hiram, just like King Hiram, but they're not the same guy. They're different people, because this one has a mother who was an Israelite, and a father who was not. But he was a skilled craftsman in bronze. Just as just an aside, I've worked with bronze before as a metal shop teacher. Bronze is a very difficult metal to work with. It's an extremely difficult metal. It's extremely hard metal. Brass and bronze are very closely related. But they're very difficult and hard metals. And if you really get into the typology in the Bible, brass and bronze usually represent sin. They usually represent some kind of a evil thing, but they're not used that way here because you're going to see when we get to the actual furnishings of the temple, they are used in the temple. So he gets this guy, he hires this guy, and then they look towards the temple. Solomon now wants to see, and I don't know how much time, you know, see, it's hard to get a chronological view of the Bible because it said he took seven years to build the temple and then he took 13 years to build his house and then the next narrative we see are the furnishings for the temple. So does that mean seven years to build the temple and it sat vacant for 13 years while he built his house and then he furnished it? I don't know. I doubt that, but you have a hard time following it. But let's read verses 15 through 22. Told you we have a lot of verses to go through today. And he, this Hiram, he cast two pillars of bronze, each one 18 cubits high, and a line of 12 cubits measured the circumference of each. Then he made two capitals of cast bronze to set on the tops of the pillars, and the height 
of one capital was five cubits and the height of the other capital was five cubits. And he made a lattice network with wreaths of chain work for the capitals which were on top of the pillars, seven chains for one capital, seven for the other capital. He made the pillars of two rows of pomegranates above the network all around to cover the capitals that were on top. And thus he did for the other capital. The capitals which were on top of the pillars in the hall were in the shape of lilies for cubits. The capitals of two pillars also had pomegranates above the convex surface, which was next to the network. And there were 200 and such pomegranates in rows on each of the capitals around. And then he set up pillars by the vestibule of the temple. He set up a pillar on the right and called its name Jacob and set the pillar on the left and called its name Boaz. The tops of the pillars were in the shape of lilies, so the work of the pillars was finished. Whew, I guess so. Massive pillars. These things were huge. They were massive. If you do the math, if you look at them, anybody who walked by these monster pillars, they were enormous. They were 27 feet high with a circumference of 18 feet. They were monstrous. They were huge, 18 feet in the air, but they had names. They had names. They were so big they had to give them names. Jashim and Boaz. It's really interesting because Jashim means he will establish. And Boaz means in him is strength. So not only were these pillars huge, they gave them names. I like that. Now, some believe that these two pillars were representative of the twin pillars that followed them on the Exodus. The pillar of fire and the pillar of the cloud. So that's what they thought that they represented. Fire by night and the cloud during the day. Every time someone came into the house of the Lord in the days of Solomon, they said, look, there's he shall establish. And look, in him is our strength. It's pretty cool when you think about it because what it did was, as they walked in there, they saw... He shall establish and in him his strength. And it kind of put him in a frame to go into worship the Lord. It kind of put him in the framework to go into worship the Lord. And I like that. I really, I got a lot out of that. When the crowds gathered in the morning and the evening for worship, the Levites led the people and they would stand in front of these pillars. And these giant monster pillars would be behind them. And it was pretty cool. It was always there. He shall establish and in him is strength. And one commentator said this, quote, One could say that the house of God itself was Jacob and Boaz. The temple was established by God and built by the strength of God. Every time they looked at the temple, they knew that God liked to establish and strengthen things, unquote. I like that. The house of God, where a place where people experienced what the pillars were all about. They experienced the foundation and establishment of God. They experienced God's strength among them. And they saw that every time they came in to the house of God. The house of God where people were given the Lord's strength. From this building, it should go out to the whole community. Come here, get established. Come here and receive the strength of God. Now, hold on. We're going to read 23 through 52. Hold on tight. We're going around a corner. All right? Here we go. Here we go. And he, 23. And he made the sea of cast bronze, 10 cubits from one brim to another. It was completely round. Its height was five cubits, and a line of 30 cubits measured its circumference. 
Below its brim were ornamental buds encircling it all around, ten to a cubit. You are We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. You can listen to additional teachings from this series in 1 Kings or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that Assure Hope is an encouraging program for you, and if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m., and you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand and we'd still love for you to be part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com and don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but we are grateful that you were a part of our listening audience today. Be sure to join us again next time for more from First Kings right here on Assure Hope.